Welcome to the Decompression Chamber. I am your host, Andrea, and joining me this week is Preston Kingsnake uh, McMurray. Preston Kingsnake, how do you want to be called, and how are you doing? Either one works. So. <laughs> All right. Hey, you. The guys The guys in my unit on active duty call me Gazoo. Gazoo. You know, after the, li the little green guy on uh, Flintstones. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure the title was uh, not well Pro earned and kind of a stretch my, of the definition. My big head. Oh, so. okay. <laughs> Probably. I don't know. Uh, fantastic. Yeah, it, military nicknames. We're going to have to dive into that one a little bit deeper because they just seem to come out of left field. Um. But great. Uh, well, uh, tell tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, where are you from? What was childhood like? Well, I was uh, born in Columbus, Ohio. My parents both went to Ohio State. Um, grew up in Milwaukee or suburbs of Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. uh, went to high school in Los Angeles, a, a suburb of Los Angeles called Torrance. Okay. And that's where I joined the uh, Army from. And until I was about 35, I'd lived more places than years I'd been alive. So. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's quite a few. Now, what year did you join the Army? Uh, June 19th, 1980. I was in for I was in for uh, 20, 21 years, three months and 11 days. <laughs> Not that you're counting. And do, do you want my getting out of the story, getting out of the Army story now or out of retirement story now or you want it at the end oh no let's let's uh let's delve into okay. topics as they come up chronology is just you know the aspiration okay. reality might be different so go for so it. our our guard unit i was in the uh, army reserve at the time i served reserve active duty and national guard um used to do our two days a month on the second second full weekend of the mm -hmm. year um it just so happened that or of the month it just so happened that month, which was September, I uh, we had our annual trip up to the Boy Scout camp called Bear Paw, north of Green Bay. Mm -hmm. And we would do, uh, you know, our basic soldier skills, map reading, first aid, so on, and then end, end it with a huge alcoholic bash. <laughs> As one does. And I got, I got really, really drunk. Good. And then we, we drove back Sunday morning, and I basically spent all day Sunday hiding out in the motor pool latrine, oh, sitting on the, in the toilet just trying not to be sick because oh. I was so drunk all day. Well, That's it gets funny. towards the end of the afternoon. You know, I, it's time to sign out for the last time, and I actually broke down crying. Oh, man. And, um, you know, I used to think when you'd see some sports guy retire that, uh, he's crying. What's the big deal? You know, you're not dying or something. But right. the, I, I wasn't until then I understood how much, even though my relationship with the military is very complicated, mm -hmm. you know, as I'm sure a lot of people's are, um, it, it, it it's a huge chunk out of your life that isn't there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was on a Sunday. And on Tuesday morning, I woke up and the towers were coming down. Holy cow. That's yeah, unbelievable timing. It's That's excellent wild. timing, actually. Yeah, because I, you know, I was I was deployed. I was in Grenada. Mm -hmm. I was in uh, the first Gulf War and uh, Bosnia, if you count that as well. Absolutely. And um, I, I was, uh, I'm surprised they didn't call me back. Oh yeah, yeah. 
Because technically, I was on. I was on, even though I was in the reserve, I was on terminal leave. I was still right still in until the end of the month. Yeah. And and even then, you could be long retired off IRR and everything. Once you sign up, and, and most people don't realize this. Mm-hmm. In the old days, they used to call it taking the king's shilling. Mm-hmm. Once you take the king's shilling, you're his for life, and that's the way it, you could be recalled. They had guys sure. that were like sixty and seventy year old surgeons that were recalled to mm-hmm. Afghanistan. Yeah. Just and wild. so I'm surprised I never got called back, but I'm thankful I didn't because that turned into a gigantic shit show. Oh yeah. So yeah. Well, and they didn't um I think it wasn't until like two thousand six that they really had like manning <sighs> issues and started doing goofy stuff with like uh stop loss and whatever else. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, the, the retention and, and having the numbers uh, and trying to mitigate that manifested itself in various scenarios. But luckily for you, I mean, you didn't yeah. didn't get what I, called. T- t- timing was excellent. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I it's I, I knock on knock on wood. It's a paper uh-huh. product, but it's made out of wood. I, I've had an amazing ability to dodge metaphorical bullets in my life, and, and that was one of them. So. That's, I'm not ashamed of not going at all. I uh, so. yeah, yeah, and probably probably in retrospect, especially. Um, oh yeah. yeah, I mean, no disrespect to the folks who did, mm-hmm. but I'm glad I didn't. So. Well, and there's a certain sense of uh, you've you served your time. It's kind of someone else's turn now. I mean. Yeah, exactly. You know, and as you mentioned, you're in Grenada and in the first Gulf War. Um, so going back to 1980, when when you enlisted, uh, I assume you go to basic training. Were you fresh out of high school? What? Well, uh, can I go back further? Absolutely. Back to the back yeah. to the very beginning. Let's jump around um, like a. In fact, fiction. I was just I was just <laughs> tweeting with somebody about it this morning, and and some of my earliest influences were when I was three to five years old. Now I was born in '62, mm-hmm. and um, at the time the show what I was tweeting about the shows were combat. And 12 o'clock high. Mm-hmm. I loved 12 o'clock high. I've been in love with the B-17 Flying Fortress my whole life. Yeah. And there are still a couple that are flying around uh, with like the EAA and uh, what do they call it now? The uh, They used to call it the Confederate Air Force, but they changed the C oh. letter. <laughs> but they have a couple active B-17s you can fly on. If you ever have a chance, get a ride. It's worth oh. every penny. I would, yeah. So... At the same time, the Vietnam War was going on. And I remember specifically, I don't remember who it was, but I remember, you know, I used to watch Walter Cronkite and see the footage and so on. I remember asking my parents to tell me a bedtime story about a guy who had gotten the Medal of Honor there. Okay. Wow. My dad was always into military history. Mm -hmm. He didn't serve. And um, he had a couple of books. And one of the books is... I mean, like this big coffee table book, thick, yeah. the West Point Atlas of Military History. Wow. And on one page, they would have a map of the battle. Mm-hmm. And on the other page, they'd have a description of it. And it was for every battle in every war the United States participated in wow. between the French and Indian War and the Korean War. Wow. So they had like, you know, Battle of the Bulge and uh, yeah. um, Bunker Hill and Stalingrad, you know, which yeah. you was we weren't at Stalingrad, but it was one of the wars we were in. Sure, World sure. War Two. World War Two for those who aren't history buffs. <laughs> right, right. And yeah. um, the uh, 
So I, I would study that over and over and over when I'm like eight or 10 years old. Wow. And the, the other book I read was a, uh, like a life or somebody life magazine was a magazine that had a lot of photo essays back yeah. in the day. And, uh, a lot of pictures like that from World War II. Mm-hmm. And some of the pictures were paintings. And the uh, there was an artist called Tom Lee, L-E-A, mm-hmm. who was a, a combat artist with the Marine Corps in World War II. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of paintings he did from the Battle of Peleliu. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them's called The Thousand Yard Stare. There's a guy standing in front of, uh, yeah. I'm gonna mispronounce the name, Umbragal Ridge, mm-hmm. and he's just like, like that. Yeah. There's another painting, and I always thought this painting was uh, from Iwo Jima, mm-hmm. and to this day, it's the most disturbing thing I've ever seen. I mean, I used to watch Live Leak and stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah, and, <laughs> that was. And this, even though I'm an adult now, I look at that painting and I just kind of, and this Marine had gotten uh, stitched up by a. Japanese machine gun on the beach at Peleliu. Oh, wow. And when he stood back up, his arm was dangling and he was covered with blood all up and down his face. And this actually happened. You know, the artist, wow. Tom Lee, saw it and then painted it. And I, so wow. I saw this, whenever I was flipping through that book, the picture book, I'd, I'd kind of, because it was yeah. so horrifying, even to this day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I had an uncle uh, Uncle Ora, O-R-A, you can look him up, mm-hmm. Ora McMurray, who served in World War One. Now, the U.S. didn't enter World War One until, I didn't think we had... 17, we declared late 17, we actually got into it, yeah. Yeah. Well, Ora was a natural fighter, mm-hmm. and um, so he went over and joined ahead of time. He joined the French Army wow. and s- served as an ambulance driver. That's a hard charger. Yeah. And for his service in the French army, he got the the Croix de Guerre, Mm -hmm. Cross of War, which I think is probably equivalent to our Distinguished Service Cross. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, It's a big deal. When the U.S. joined, he he was too heavy to be a pilot, but he somehow lied his way into being a pilot for the U.S. (laughs) That's what I love about older wars. You could just lie, like just fudge basic facts and just do whatever the hell you want. I was a 13 year old kid that served as a sailor in the Solomon Islands for the US yeah. Navy until he it's kicked wild. him. Yeah. Yeah, or a Marine or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's completely insane. And uh, yeah, I think uh, I lied about my borderline color blindness like that, you know. But that's like but, about uh, as much as you can get away with in this day and age. If the guy's in front of you, shoot him. Yeah. If he's behind, you know, if he hope, if he's behind you, hopefully you don't have to shoot him. Yeah, you yeah, know? exactly. You got, you know, someone's so, or six. But, but yeah, that's. Co- okay insane like okay how much do you weigh like did they not have scales back then like they just okay yeah fine yeah. whatever <laughs> i don't know he lied or whatever well That's wild the way i the way i remember it was he shot down 13 germans wow um that's, that's what uh, he told us but they you know they didn't have gun plus yeah they didn't have gun cameras back then mm. so he was only credited with three but you can there's websites you can go on yeah where they tell you who won what i could look up you you could look up me whatever the case is, Aura ended up getting two distinguished service crosses as a, as a U.S. aviator. He took on, once he took on like 13 Germans by himself or something like that. That's wild. <laughs> that is so crazy. It's just nuts. But I was listening to these stories as a five and six-year-old kid. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so that had, and between that and reading the books and stuff, that had a huge influence on me. Then about the same time, they started coming out with war games. Mm-hmm. And war games were, it's not Call of Duty, which is, you know, just comic book crap. Yeah. But they were cardboard because we didn't have computers back then. And they were at least serious attempts to recreate history. Maybe not too accurately sometimes, but they tried to. Right. And my dad bought a game based on Battle of the Bulge. And so that kind of became my hobby in junior high school was playing these games and then on into high school. Mm-hmm. And even after I was on active duty, I played them still. Wow. Oh, this is uh, say hello, Gizmo. Come here. Ah, uh, Gizmo the cat. <laughs> Elsie just came in and laid down on the floor, so I'm sure she'll be by soon. There's... Hi, Gizmo. <laughs> She's not impressed. Ah. Uh, so, um, as uh, high school wore on, by the time I was in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and I was thinking I would uh, be a Marine. Okay. And I, I took the various tests that you take as in high school. And I was yep. like a Marine officer. Okay. And um, Marine officers can be commissioned, uh, you know, through the Naval Academy, through OCS, or through, um, I think, ROTC as well. Yes. And that's what I was interested in. So I applied, the colleges I applied to, I wanted to be an electrical engineering major because mm-hmm. my grandfather was an engineer in World War II, okay, you know, wow. part of it in France. Mm-hmm. And um, the colleges I applied to, UCLA, Tulane, uh, someplace else, I didn't get into because I was a very average high school student. Right, right. I never did homework. <laughs> Second period was for doing first period homework. Yeah, makes you know, sense Third to me. period and so on. Why take so it with you? I, I, um, didn't get into the colleges and I'm like, well, what am I going to do now? And so yeah. I went down to enlist in the army. My parents wouldn't let me enlist until after I graduated. Makes sense. I wanted to enlist right away. It was okay. I would have done the delayed entry. I would have waited till, you know, but June 1st when I graduated mm-hmm. to actually complete the entry or whatever they called it, right. but they wouldn't let me do it. So, um, Went to, uh, uh, I always say, everybody gets screwed by their recruiter. I think you had one guy one <laughs> guy on your show that did, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I, my recruiters I, are pretty honest, but yeah, that's they earned that reputation for a reason. Yeah, yeah they got numbers <laughs> to make. Yep. So, yep. Um, yeah, used car salesmen are more honest. And um, I guess probably it wasn't my recruiter. It was the guy at the MEPS station. Uh, okay. But at yeah. the same time, this is... I was in high school from 76 to 80s. So I remember Saigon falling. Yes. You know, as as well as much of the rest of the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, So I went, I wanted, I'd seen a um, ad in Time Magazine. There was a, a ranger standing there with his rifle like this. Yeah. You know, like this mm-hmm. on his hip. He's covered in all this black camo with all this cool ranger gear on and stuff. I'm like, Yep. Shit, that's cool. I want to do that. You know? Yeah, yeah. And and this, by the way, is during the Iranian hostage crisis. I'm like, I want to go wax some Iranians, man. I'm going to go over there. Yeah. When you're, you know, 16 or 18 years old, you don't care. You don't understand. It, well, yeah, yeah. You just want to be a badass. What it means sure. to, you just, you know, that's why child soldiers are so popular in 
certain parts of the world because there's yeah. no fear and there's no moral, you know, they'll kill anything. Right. Right. And don't care if they die. So, mm-hmm. um, I thought I'm going to be a ranger. Yeah. So it got down to the mm-hmm. maps and, um, I'd go like, I want to be now bear in mind, this is 1980. Mm-hmm. Um, when I finally went, I enlisted in June, but I showed up at the maps September or October, okay. late September, oh. early October. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so the or hostages were still over there. Mm-hmm. The, um, the, the guy at the maps told me we, this is in 1980. We have no openings in the Rangers until the year 2000. <laughs> what? <laughs> how could they? How could they possibly? I swear to that? God, that's, that's what insane. he said. That's what that's he said. Amazing. But I'm a kid, and I don't know, so I yeah. believed him, right? Yeah. And if you know anything about special operations, you know that they're always dying for people. Oh yeah. Because because the selection process is so difficult. Oh, for sure. You know, yeah, the, the attrition th- rate is off the charts. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, the, that song, The Ballad of the Green Berets, you know, 100 men will test today, but only three win the Green Beret. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the attrition rate is that high, but I you get an know. idea. So yeah. and then that doesn't even take into account once you're on active duty. You know, you finish training, you got the operational tempo. Mm-hmm. And this is the operational tempo back in the, in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Never mind now with Afghanistan and Iraq and God oh, yeah. knows where the, there's guys in places we never even heard of. Yep. You know. Yeah. Um so I believed him. So I thought, okay, well I've seen uh I've seen the Green Berets of John Wayne. Yeah. I li- I still like the movie. I think it's a great movie. It is. You know. And um the uh so I th- I tell him, okay, how about the Green Berets? Yeah. So what what do you think his answer was? Oh, well, yeah, yeah, no problem. We, we, <laughs> no. We don't have any openings to the year 2000 the same ah, line interesting so i basically this is if if you had any any sense at all you'd go okay there's something specific he's trying to f- get me to sign up for there's something that the well, army needs and uh, yeah 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 and, and and god knows i probably wouldn't have passed because most people don't right and right. And, and but it was something i wanted to do mm-hmm. so I, I think what the the thing he needed to fulfill was radio operators because I had an extremely high ASVAB. I had like a 148 or something out of one, oh, wow. 150 at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, when I actually apply myself to my studies, I can do well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, that works. So he said, well, how about radio opera? I'm thinking, well, I'd seen Vietnam. Yeah. I'd yeah. seen guys with radios on their back. Shit. I'll, you know, if I'm a radio opera, I'll be in the 82nd Airborne humping around with the infantry. Cool. Yeah. You know, so I'll do that. You know, that's not what he's thinking, but that's what I was thinking. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I enlisted for a radio operator um, and uh, airborne. Okay. And so I, you know, thinking, well, if I'm in the 18th Airborne Corps, I'll be assigned to the 82nd Airborne. Right. That's not the way it worked out. Of course not. It never, it never is. The best laid plans of a 17, 18 year old. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um. Yeah, enlisted from Los Angeles. Uh, initially went to Fort Jackson okay. um, for basic. Um, they kept us there for a week, gave us all the shots and the gear and all that, and then sent us for some reason to Fort Gordon. Okay, makes perfect sense. Um, which is the signal school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So okay. in the old World War II barracks, um, you know, two-story open bay, mm-hmm. one shower thing. Yeah. Um, All you need. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, some guy, we had one guy um, from Philadelphia that uh, he showered three times in basic training. What the hell? I think it was like eight or ten weeks at the time. I don't know, like three times. What? And I didn't. I didn't know he wasn't showering. But um, when we came back from our biv, they have you like go to like a one week long field exercise. You right. march out. You march back. Well, we marched out and back. Mm-hmm. The the company across the way that had females in it took trucks out and back. Oh, must be nice. <laughs> and that was my uh... that was my introduction to the integrated army. I'm like. You got to be fucking me because yeah. I've always, I've always had bad feet. I went mm-hmm. on a, a march, a hike with the boy scouts when I was like 10 or 12 years old mm-hmm. and I fell way behind because my feet are so bad. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, obviously I probably wouldn't have made it through ranger school, no matter how good my attitude was. Right. Right. But, um, so to see these, these people trucking out and trucking back was a little, we yeah. came back from the bivouac and that's when it, I found out that the guy hadn't showered. They literally took him with all his gear on and just threw him in the shower. It's bizarre. But you meet, yeah. meet all kinds of people in the well, military. You know? Oh, that's that's not even the worst one. We had the goon platoon. Ah. We had we had a bedwetter. So they stuck the bedwetter in you know, we had two tier bunks, what? right? Yeah, the bedwetter. So they stuck the bedwetter in a bunk down at the end of the barracks. Then a little bit later, wow. you know, a week or whatever. We find out there's another bedwetter in the platoon. So they made him go down there and take the top bunk with the other bedwetter. Oh, my God. Well, that that was like a, a point of disqualification for, for the Navy is if you're a bedwetter, they'd... Uh, really? Yeah. Uh, and, like, because we had... I, I heard stories of guys... Maybe like because you got five, and, guy, five guys sleeping on top of each other. Probably, you know, like yeah. It's like a... Dribbling down. <laughs> but, yeah, we, we had some guy who wanted to get kicked out, and so, like, people were saying that he was standing up in the middle of the night and pissing on his rack. So yeah. get separated. Oh, we we had one of those too. Ah. Besides besides the bedwetters, we had the mystery piss the mystery pisser. The intentional pissers, all right. Yeah. No, this is the mystery pisser. He's a sleep pisser. He would we'd wake up in the morning, do our police call, and there'd always be this huge huge puddle underneath one particular window. So some guy was mystery pissing out of the window. Um, and then okay. I'm not sure if it was the same guy, but um our uh I think they called them platoon guides, guide. Okay. And they're like the platoon leaders that are students. Mm-hmm. And one of the platoon guides um, was had broke his leg. He, he didn't recycle, but he was, you know, on crutches, you know, finishing, you know, whatever training we had left. Right. And one night the guy on his, he was on the bottom bunk. The guy in his top bunk got out, sleep, you know, sleepwalking, nipped his dong out, and started hosing down the crippled guy on the lower bunk. And oh the crippled guy's God. up there on his crutches, waving his crutches around like this. Well, you know, yeah, yeah, what the well, hell? The guy was still here. asleep, still hosing him down, you know? Well, that, that's another point of disqualification, like automatic <laughs> separations if you're a sleepwalker. Especially with yeah. the Navy, it's like we can't have you walking off the fucking ship at, you know, 1 o'clock True, in the morning. Yeah. But, wow. Did, did, the, uh, did the sleepwalk pisser get, get processed out or what? Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember. Um, oh, it gets better. <laughs> <laughs> we had, um, when we did our final police call at the end of basic training, went under the bear, because 
these old World War II barracks were elevated off the ground. Mm -hmm. um, probably because they could run piping and stuff easier, have to dig it up. The whole idea was to get as many barracks up as quick as possible, yep. process guys through and send them to, you know, South Pacific or wherever yeah. as quick as possible. Um, there were so many roaches. And by roaches, I mean, you know, marijuana roaches under there really? so a bunch of guys were yeah token it up and stuff wow. um we yeah, had did they drug test back then or is this like a more recent i don't know I, I guess not uh i don't remember amazing. amazing um i don't remember anybody getting kicked out of basic training for for weed i know wow. when i was on active duty they did okay and okay. i know some folks <laughs> <laughs> Might might have been hot at one time or another. Yeah. And the secret was because they didn't call your names out randomly. They just get everybody in line. You'd stand mm -hmm. in the back of the line, and there'd be me and a couple other guys that I also knew were hot, and uh, hang out. Wait, and they'd run out of tubes and be oh, phew. yeah, thank God. You know, got away with it that time. So. Wow, I yeah, I being stoned in basic training sounds horrifying. Like that's no, that wasn't me. I I actually didn't even try marijuana until I was halfway through high school. Oh, okay. And this is this is in Southern California in the seventies. Yeah, so yeah. Like weed. Everybody central. was smoking. Every yeah. the football every football team was all smoking and stuff too. But wow. I was you know I was from Milwaukee. I moved to L.A. So it was I was a little bit of a fish out of water when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, so. And, and I never, I've never bought it, sold it, possessed or anything. But if somebody had a joint, passed it to me back then. I'd like, yeah, sure, I'll take a puff. Yeah, yeah. You know, makes sense. Um, I mean, I'm not proud of it, but it's just part of my life. Yeah. Neither yeah. good, you know. Um, and the last time I smoked was April of '86, and um, and you remember I was that in, pretty specifically. So, yeah. <laughs> well, it's like your sobriety date or something. I mean, I was, oh, a, I'm not on a 12 step program or something. I only ever use it casually, but you kind of remember those things. Sure. And, um, yeah. and it was about the same time I met, uh, uh, a captain named, uh, Jim Thrasher. I didn't know he's a captain. His son brought, I was coaching football in Flagstaff, Arizona, mm -hmm. youth football. He brought his son over, and at some point we started talking, you know, he, maybe he came in uniform or something and he found out I was in the military and he recruited me into ROTC. Oh, wow. And so it's about the time I, I, I probably before that had decided, you know, I need to, you know, that's kids, kids stuff. Mm -hmm. I need to, you know, it's fun to have fun while you can, but at some point yes. you got to grow up and yeah. start applying yourself as an adult. If you want to make something out of yourself. Absolutely. So, um, that's how that happened. The, um, but it gets even better in basic training. I said, we had the, out of the three or four platoons, we were the goon platoon, but we also shot the best on the range. Go figure. A guy I enlisted with, not a friend, but I met him at the MEPS. Mm -hmm. it, it, oh, wait, this is a different guy. There's a guy in our basic training unit, that, yeah. that our platoon, that looked like Ronald Reagan. Oh, fantastic. And he looked, I swear Years. to God, he, he looked, as old as Ronald Reagan too. The guy's wow. probably thirty-two or thirty-three. Yeah, yeah, but well, you know, when you're eighteen, that's like double your age. That's a that's yeah, old man. Yeah. yeah. And uh, when we had the the class where they demonstrated how to wear your class A's, your dress uniform, he was the example they used. He got up okay. on stage. He was wearing jump boots, which you only get to wear if you're in the airborne. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, he was wearing, uh, he had a, you know, the blue arrow with the yellow lightning bolts, special forces patch. Yep. He had a green beret on the whole nine yards. Everybody on that post, including the two-star post commander, thought the guy was an ex-green beret. Wow. But the, re- the reason he told us he had to go through basic training again was he'd been out for too long. Ah, okay. That... Well, the last week of basic training, because he borrows $300 from some guy and goes AWOL. They, they do some research into him, and they find out that he'd been a mechanic in Germany during the Vietnam War. So not a Green Beret. <laughs> no, not even remotely. No, no. Amazing. Wow. And so, somewhere I still got I still got the picture from basic training. We do a group portrait and stuff. I could point them out like that guy, that guy. I know this guy. I know what he did. Right. Yeah, right. one guy whose nickname was Barney Fife. Yeah, so, yeah. You know. Wow. Memories. Ah, oh, that's uh. That's amazing, though. Like, you know, you're already if you're a mechanic during Vietnam, like, you know, you're already in the military once. Then you got to go back to basic training. So, I mean, the story, at least of like, "Ah, I had to go back to basic kind of checks out. But then just. All right. No, I'm done. Never mind. Maybe culpa. And it it was my first. I I didn't know what it was called at the time, but this is my first, um, you know, encounter with stolen valor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So now. You know, you see, I don't know if he's still doing it, but Don Shipley, who's a uh, senior chief in the yeah. SEALs, had a long series of uh, videos on YouTube till they kicked him off where he would track down guys who were claiming to be, you know, oh, I was an Air Force recon SEAL, you know, mm-hmm. not Don Shipley, but, you know, these right. other guys. And these, right. yeah. you know, it's just shit sandwich of weird decorations and berets all backwards and, you know, guys who had no clue. Yeah. And and so, um, yeah, that's my first encounter with that particular thing. So now I always look at when somebody says I was here and I did this, I, I'm always there's always a voice in the back of my head going, does that really? Yeah, I may not say anything, but in the back of my head, I'm going, did you really do that? Right. Right. Yeah. Take it with a grain or, of salt. Or did you do anything like that? Because to this day, you know, 21 years, three months and 11 days. The only time I've been shot at in my life is when I lived in Los Angeles. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's true. Like, isn't, yeah, wasn't, I mean, up until the fall of Afghanistan, I mean, wasn't the murder rate in Chicago, it, like, more, more grievous than, than in Afghanistan? I mean, it was so uh, there's yeah. a U.S. troop. Yeah. Crazy. So, and, and when I got shot at, the kid next door to me, I knew, and he was an adult, he was a year or two older than me. He was a weed, a weed dealer. And he showed me his garage once he took up his garage door. And I swear there was a pile of weed that was three feet high in there. So that's wow. what it looked like. So one day I'm sitting in the back bedroom at our house and I hear this like tink sound up in the front of the tink, like that. And then her coming down the hallway towards me. I thought, now I'd only fi- seen a gun fired once in my life. Mm-hmm. I had a t- single shot 22 when I was like six years old or eight years old. Yeah. I, but I thought to myself, I think that was a bullet. Oh, geez. Yeah. For some reason, I just, I think that was a bullet. I think somebody shot through the window. And I think what I heard was a ricochet. Wow. You know, ricocheting off the boards, walls or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I went down the carpet and I'm digging, digging through the carpet, seeing if I could find the bullet. 
Uh, I didn't see anything. I went up to my window, and sure enough, there's a little 22 caliber hole in my window. Holy shit. Well, what had happened was the house next door to us, which is the weed dealer. This is an, a nice neighborhood. It's in Torrance, a nice neighborhood. Of Torrance. Yeah. There's parts of Torrance that even back then were not good. Mm-hmm. But um, and they got hit, too. So what I think happened was is some rival kid was, you know, weed dealer or whatever, was drive-bying his house and just happened to hit our house, too. Wow. Well, yeah, they're not known for their aim, those drive-by folks. Yeah. 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 So my my feeling was, rather than fear, I was curious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, it may be different when there's, you know, if it had ever been, you know, 100 Mujahideen, you know, with RPGs. Yeah. Yeah. People with absolute intent against you. Yeah. 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 It was curiosity. Yeah. Um, So that's the only time I've been shot at in my life. That's unbelievable. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that, of course, as you mentioned, it was in Torrance. So that was before you joined. How old were you when that happened? 16, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I know. That's one hell of a so like experience. I said, I've had this kind of weird ability to dodge bullets. Yeah. You know, I'm not like, you know, Neo. And, uh, <laughs> Although that would be that... cool, but. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, um. So yeah, I joined. Uh, so after basic training, I went to a jump school at uh, awesome. Fort Benning. Mm-hmm. I know where it is. So just I'm getting old. <laughs> and I was, um, I was right there we, at the assist if you needed it. So. Yeah. Um, I had it's three week school. You have a thirty foot tower where you exit. Uh, you practice exiting an aircraft. You slide basically a slide for life type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have the three uh, hundred foot tower a week. And this is where they take you up in these big, like a radio tower. Mm-hmm. Uh, they hook up a parachute, they take you up, and they let it go. Mm-hmm. And then you have jump jump week. Mm-hmm. But I got there early, so I had a zero week. And it was during zero week that John Hinckley shot Reagan. Wow. Reagan had been been uh, elected while I was in basic training. Sure. So, oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Well, you're, so that was a... Uh, it's... You know, your service is interesting because you have, first of all, you had a very historical mind going back to what your dad told you about when you're like three and five years old and and your interest Mm -hmm. in in all of that. And then that you're able to go through your military service and against the backdrop of, hey, this is what's going on. Reagan gets elected while I'm in basic. He gets shot. That's that's really fascinating. Was there any, while you're in Fort Benning and that news comes out, I mean, was there, did it affect anyone? I, I don't I don't really remember any impact because I was in zero week. I was like sitting on my memory and sometimes memories are false memories. I was sitting on the grass outside the snack bar <laughs> Great <laughs> because it didn't be. really have to. It was zero week. We're waiting for other people to show up before we kicked off another training cycle. So exactly. yeah. um, I remember uh, doing a lot of push-ups and a lot of squats, you know, beating my boots a ton in, in oh, jump school. Yeah. And you ran everywhere. Mm-hmm. And we're running, doing PT in the morning with the black hats. The black hats are the trainers. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you sing while you run. Everybody mm-hmm. sings. And there was one kid who wouldn't sing. I said, you need to sing. And he oh, wouldn't boy. sing. You need to sing. And he wouldn't sing. So I kicked him out of school. That's it. He flunked wow. out of jump school for the simple fact that he didn't want to sing while he was running. It's like, you have the... to. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to do what we tell you to do. That's yeah. Um, 
every once in a while on the 300 foot tower, the wind would shift and blow somebody into the tower after they'd been released. Oh, ouch. So the guy be every every jump I've ever done in the military has been utter chaos. There's always, <laughs> uh, unless you've been on a drop zone during yeah. a, a mass drop, you just have no idea. Right. I think I was telling you about this when we talked a couple of weeks ago. So every once in a while, somebody get blown into the tower and they'd have to figure out a way of getting them down or how they do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, wow. that was interesting. And, and then there's one guy, the only real story I remember from other than the guy who went sing from jump school somebody for some reason didn't like me and we're sitting there at the 300 foot tower week um waiting to go somewhere and do something i don't remember what and i feel this like tink off the top of my helmet mm-hmm. and um and there's another one the guy was throwing rocks at me i thought look dude stop what the hell yeah. i don't know i stop stop he went stop so i turned around and punched him as one does i, yes. I now I saw that video of Pat hitting uh, Gino, and they said he ambushed him, and it, it looked to me like he hit him in the face. Yes. He, he didn't give him any warning, but he ran right up to him, pow. And that's yeah. basically what I did with the guy behind me. I just turned, I, I, I warned him. Yeah. He, did, he didn't listen, and I turned around and popped him. Well, that was the, I thought that was the end of that. So training ends for the day. I'm walking it back into my room in the barracks, and the guy jumps me from behind. Oh, God. <laughs> And we start fighting and a bunch of other guys pile in and pull us apart because if we'd have got caught fighting, oh yeah, we'd yeah. have been kicked out of school. For sure. For sure. So that was the end of that, you know. Good. Good. Um, I, I mean, did a guy just uh, wanted to mess with someone or I, mean, never I don't reason, know. Or it never... I've always, I, I don't know why, but some people I've always, I've had an ability. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you call it that to rub people the wrong way. Uh. Maybe because I just, I have a low tolerance for other people's bullshit or, or uh, I've often to my detriment, <laughs> mm-hmm. especially when dealing with higher ranking individuals Yeah. Uh, to tell them that's bullshit and that's, that's stupid and we shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. Now this guy was a higher ranking than me, but I, I have a low tolerance for stupidity. Sure. Sure. Um, and uh, it's probably something along those lines if I had to guess, right. but I don't remember. Right. So active duty ended up being uh, actually with the 35th, initially Charlie Company, 50th Signal Battalion, 35th Signal Brigade, 18th Airborne Corps at Fort Bragg. Okay. So. And uh, how long were you there for? A year or so. Okay. And then um, I decided I wanted to be, and I'd gotten, oh, wait, wait. (laughs) I forgot. AIT story. Yes. So, this is a good so I'm totally innocent when I, you know, I was a virgin when I was in basic training and so on. Mm-hmm. And I get to AIT and there's this girl in my radio class that starts reaching over and grabbing my dong. Oh, yeah. shit. Massaging my dong in radio class. All right. <laughs> I'm like, I was pretty cool. <laughs> I she didn't later became do. your wife. Does she have any no, thoughts no. on the story? <laughs> her best, her her buddy, her buddy became my first wife. Really? Yeah. What? I didn't know what to do with this girl. Was that I, you know, I one like, way oh, to meet I your do? wife? Uh, Holy I shit. was enjoying it, but I didn't know what to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, well, the the her buddy was a uh, big country redhead, and I've always had a thing for redheads, and. Um, 
she actually got discharged from AIT. She didn't complete her training. And I didn't want to lose her, so I proposed to her. Wow. And um, wow. What, uh, so what I show up. Get kicked out of AIT for just a uh, long story. She did, so. All right. <laughs> we'll draw our own not, not my story, so I don't really want to go into it. Okay, but, no, um, that's fair. Um, well, I get to act a duty. She comes out. We get married mm-hmm. uh, in uh, Dillon, South Carolina. All right. Which is where everybody from Fort Bragg goes to get married. Because okay. it's just across the border. Mm. It's cheap. Our witnesses were the couple getting married behind us. And that <laughs> That's it. great. The Southern Vegas. <laughs> yeah, it pretty much is. It's, uh, yeah. Cool. Um, so, you know, she gets pregnant along the way. And, okay. and awesome. uh, at the same time, I was wanting to go to what they call rigor school. Yes. And rigor school is where they pack parachutes repair parachutes which to me was a shocking concept like you don't just throw these things away yeah, when they get yeah. like, no uh, we reuse them salvageable are they really yeah. Yeah, yeah and um each type of repair on a parachute has a number of hours assigned to it mm-hmm. and you have that number of hours to complete that repair mm-hmm. or better yeah uh, and you know it's 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 basically like piecework in a sweat factory yeah, yeah, but you get to wear a cool hat. You get to wear a red baseball cap Ooh, rather than just a beret. That so, you doesn't know. say "Make America Great Again." It's... No, no, of course not. <laughs> but that's probably where Trump got the idea. Like, ah, oh, yeah, parachute get... rigger is heart of America, right there. Yeah, <laughs> you get you get rigger wings. You get a special pair of jump Ooh. jump wings. Okay. Like one. Um, oh, one of the guys in my uh, airborne class was a hostage from Iran. Really? Yeah. That's wild. I don't remember which one, but. Um, Wow, that's pretty incredible. So I wanted to go to rigor school, mm-hmm. and they wanted to send me at a certain date, but that date would have been while I, my wife was due to have the baby. Oh. And um, I didn't want to go till after that because I wanted to be there sure. when my son was born. Of course. They, the Army doesn't give a shit. Oh, no. So they mm-hmm. sent me anyways. Ugh. And uh, when she found out, she decided to leave at nine months <sighs> pregnant. So, uh, yeah, we get along great now. Yeah. Um, I actually yeah. followed her on Twitter till Twitter kicked her off because she's, you know, <laughs> very, very conservative. AIT. <laughs> yeah, she's very conservative. So uh, good for her. Um, and uh, yeah, so I was in rigor, the rigor unit, uh, 620th or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in a repair unit, not a pack unit. And rigor school is very, very difficult. Oh, really? Um, if physically you're still running everywhere, but intellectually, skill wise, because there's some saying that you could pack a parachute 80% wrong or something like that. And it would still open, mm-hmm. but 1% wrong was wrong. You had yeah. to be perfect every time Yeah, yeah. and you were checked. And the guy who checked you was checked by somebody else. Everybody who packs a parachute signs with their name. Mm-hmm. The supervisor who inspects it signs with his or her name. Yep. And so on, because that parachute goes bad. And sometimes they do just mm-hmm. through sheer accident and somebody gets hurt or dies or just has to deploy their reserve. Yeah. They want to know who and they want to go back and check and make sure there wasn't any sabotage or something like that. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, it's a big deal. Yeah. But despite that, um, yeah, there's chaos on every jump. Yeah. I, you know, you, you got hundreds of guys in the air. It's like, ah, you're in my air. No, you're stealing my air. Get the fuck oh. out of my way. Well, you know, yeah, guys and... screaming at 
And those parachutes are not known for their maneuverability. So not back then. Like... Because initially, I forget which ones are the dash ones and the T10s. I think the dash ones, mm -hmm. you pulled on the risers. Okay. And you didn't turn. You slipped. You went at, a, you went at an angle. Mm. So you could angle or vector, but you couldn't rotate per se. And then the other one, which I think was the 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 uh, uh, T10, you you had toggles. You could actually mm -hmm. rotate. Oh, okay. And literally every jump I was on, I got a war story from. I could do nothing but sit here and tell you. <laughs> I, I've land almost landed on a farmhouse. I've I've landed on runways twice. Oh boy, that sounds. I retweeted dangerous. a yeah. I retweeted a video earlier today of some, of some Mexican cops taking a car a car thief and hitting him on the ass with a two by four. Yes. Yes. I saw I've, that. I've landed on runways twice. And, and the way I've always described it is if somebody takes a two by four and swings it at your back yeah. as hard as they can, that's what landing on a runway is like. Oh yeah. It, Cause it, it really, it's hard. The drops are supposed to be designed for like soft ground. Right. I mean, and it's a hard, yeah, well, more or less so. on there. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a jump in uh, Utah. Um, oh. Across where the NSA spy center is now, uh, whatever the <laughs> fort is. Yeah, yeah. And um, two guys ran into each other in the air. It was a helicopter drop. Oh, my God. So you don't have more than a couple dozen guys in the air at a time. Right. And there's a couple of malfunctions that can happen with a parachute. You could get a cigar roll, which is what it looks like. You know, the parachute's all rolled up and it's flopping. Yeah. And it'll still slow you down a little bit. Yeah. But not enough. Right. Um, you could get a May West. A May West is where your risers go over the top somehow of the parachute. So you end up with two bulges like this, like oh May West. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. And, and, and people don't realize that when air is going into a parachute, the top of the parachute is basically hard as concrete, you know, okay. because the pressure of the air coming up in. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so one guy was the lower jumper was like this. And the other jumper had somehow gotten off on the side of him, but his parachute was over the top, oh my God. rolled up on the other side of the guy. So you got two guys coming down, one dangling like this, mm -hmm. and poof, into the ground. And, oh and they probably would have died, except for the fact there was about three feet of mud on the drop zone. And one guy broke his back, and I don't remember what happened to the other guy. So. Jesus. Yeah, it's so, so freaking dangerous, because what you know, what I've heard and everything is just, you have to figure if you're jumping, you know, those parachutes are just designed to slow you down just enough. Plus you're carrying yeah. gear, plus, it, you know, all these things. So anything goes wrong, you're landing on a harder surface. There's some sort of malfunction where the parachute isn't slowing you down as much as it would otherwise. Yeah. I, I mean, any single thing, I mean, you can really, really fuck yourself yeah. up. Oh, I wanted to tell you because you're in the Navy. I mentioned this last time we talked. It's my, my, another jump school story. Okay. I've always, my second experience with, I, I have a great deal of respect for you because I know, I've seen you do your workouts and stuff. I know you can physically hack stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, I've never been a super soldier. I've never been like, you know, <laughs> buffed yeah. out, stuff like that. I've okay. never had upper body strength, mm -hmm. not even when I was in jump school. So as a result, I, I had a hard time doing pull-ups, Oh sure. right? Girls in, or young ladies in jump school, rather than doing the, the full bar thing mm -hmm. they would lay flat on their back on the ground with a bar three feet over their head and do their pull-ups that way i'm not joking amazing at least back then they did 
I, I mean, in terms of, of working your way up to pull-ups, that's a great progression. That's a good thing to do, but uh, for that to suffice requirements is uh, yeah. no. Because you have to have the upper body strength to, to pull on the risers at the time yes. so that you could, yes. you know. And, and so as a result of me not being able to do pull-ups, I was in the gig pit every day of jump school for <laughs> yeah. three weeks. There are two types of people in the gig pit at jump school. Me and Navy SEALs. <laughs> and, and not because I was a Navy SEAL or could have been, right. but because the black hats liked fucking with the SEALs and the SEALs being SEALs liked being fucked with. So, you know, the, the SEALs would be in there, you know, doing their extra training and I'd be in there doing extra training too. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Trying to get up to par. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, so, I haven't done pull-ups in a while. I need to get on that. Thank you for the reminder. Uh, it's been decades. So <laughs> I still, yeah. I still do, I still do, you know, rock marches. Mm -hmm. uh, I go hiking in the woods, oh, you know, down awesome. canyons with a backpack and stuff. But well, yeah, uh, you're down in Arizona. I mean, that's beautiful country, yeah. totally ideal for hiking. So. Oh yeah, great. absolutely. Yeah, you know, it's hot in the desert right now, but you go up north and you hike up what they call the Muggy and Rim. It's a mm -hmm. cliff that goes across Arizona. Cool. So, you're talking before about a parachute. Um, being right and stuff. I did a I did a couple of free falls too. Oh wow! And it's kind of hard to show because I'm on a limited screen here. I can't do all my, my <laughs> your interpretive dance for <laughs> yeah my interpretive dance yeah. yeah. But um, it was uh, at, while I was in rigor school, I went and did some uh, free falls uh, with uh, some other students and instructors. As a, they were civilian free falls, but everybody was military. Mm -hmm. And one of the instructors. Uh, at the free fall thing was a former golden knight. Okay. So we were jumping out of a Cessna 152 or 172, I forget which. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't strapped to the guy. I did my free falls alone. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, so you stand out under the wing and you're supposed to just let go and you'll fall forward because that's where your momentum is going. Yes. I didn't let go i actually pushed and so as a result i was tumbling backwards in oh, the air no. this is from about five thousand feet i'm tumbling backwards in the air i'm like well uh and, you know and they say when you're in a yeah. deadly situation time slows down it did it's like i'm like really? okay what do i do now yeah yeah <laughs> like, i don't know yeah. i have no trains somehow i got myself stabilized you're supposed to uh be in a flat position you know you know this thing right right flat and um, you'll fall 120 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. I got myself in a stabilized position. Somehow stopped tumbling, got stabilized. Looked out at the horizon, and blue was down and green was up. Oh, that's a problem. Yeah. Okay, this isn't good. Now I'm thinking, how do I turn over? Yeah. Because, again, I haven't been trained in this. Yeah. Um, somehow got myself turned over, got myself stabilized, and then... I started to rotate over onto this shoulder a little bit again. Oh boy! Now they t they teach you to to look at your your uh, I forget what the thing is the rip cord or what there's a better term for it. Yeah. And reach you look you reach and then you pull. Yes. So you don't want to grab the wrong thing. Of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that could be Good a problem. Point. But when I started to rotate on my shoulders, I said, fuck it, grabbed and just. You know, luckily I grabbed the right thing. Yeah, yeah. Parachute, when the parachute, even though the parachute's on my back, when it opened, it somehow hit me in the face. Oh, God. 
left side of the face and the left side of my face was numb for a couple of weeks afterwards from the impact so the parachute opens first thing you do when a parachute opens is you're supposed to look up and make sure you actually have a parachute yeah yeah you can't you don't have a may west your parachute isn't floating off across the drop zone (laughs) somewhere without you yeah you know um i looked up i like god that parachute looks good to me Mm-hmm. I land the only time in my life I ever did a good PLF parachute landing fall. Mm-hmm. And the, the idea of a parachute landing fall is you have five points of contact. It's basically, basically like judo. Uh-huh. It, you distribute the force yes. away from the two small points on the bottom of your heels along the side of your body. Yeah. I did the only good PLF of my life. Well, except for jump school and um, the uh, uh, jump master who went, was running over oh man i'm i'm glad you didn't pull your reserve i'm like why he picks up my parachute goes like this now this is a not the uh the winged type civilian parachute it was a civilian parachute but it resembled the uh t- t- you know the uh the uh uh the one that's got it's a canopy mm-hmm. but it had cutouts in back and and um i'm like well why he picks up, he spreads it out, and three of the panels in it were blown out. Whoa. And one and one was melted from nylon friction. So what? the impact opening not only hit me in the face, but it basically destroyed half my parachute. Oh, my God. Which, if I'd have seen that, I probably would have pulled my reserve. Yeah, yeah. But I had a great landing. Yeah. Soft, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you knew. So. Yeah. Holy shit. That is so crazy. Well, and then, so like I said, you know, something goes wrong, whether with you or with somebody else on every jump. Seems like it. Good grief. My yeah. last, my last jump. <laughs> <laughs> now, at the time, it was uh, C 130s and C 141s. 130 was a turboprop, 141 was a jet. Mm-hmm. You could either jump out of the tailgate, and I loved jumping tailgates, or out of the side, which I didn't care for so much. Oh, right. by the way, when I did, when I did my first jump, I was not scared. Yeah. I, I just, I was kind of like in a Zen zone. I just, okay, out the door. Yeah. Neither good or bad. Um, so I never really liked going out the side though. Yeah. So I like to see what's out there. I, I enjoyed, oh, okay. I, I enjoyed the view. Yeah. Which is why jumping from a helicopter is a lot of fun because mm-hmm. you're actually sitting in the door of the helicopter. Yes. My yes. very first helicopter ride ever. I'm sitting in the door of the helicopter on the DZ, uh, probably St. Miraglis at Fort Bragg. And the helicopter takes off. It, it doesn't go straight up. It kind of lifts forward like this, right? Sure, sure. And then he goes to make a turn. Mm-hmm. Now, bear in mind, I'm sitting in the door with my legs sticking out. And he turns like this. And I'm looking straight down at the ground. I'm oh, like, boy. oh, this <laughs> is interesting. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you're already hooked up, so if you actually did fall out, the parachute would probably open. Right. But right. and centrifugal force is keeping you in. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that about helicopters. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> um wow. the oh that so at rigor school, right? Mm-hmm. At rigor school, the drop zone is, is postage stamp size. I mean it's smaller oh. than St. Miraglis at Fort Bragg. It's really tiny. And yeah. all they jump out of is helicopters. Right across the street, literally across the street is a women's prison <laughs> and every once in a while they get a bad spot and a lot of wind and some guy would drift over the wall into the women's prison <laughs> oh boy it's at, at uh, fort lee virginia near st petersburg so hilarious hilarious 
Wow. My final my final jump. So back to the C one forty ones and one thirties. And a C one thirty because it's traveling slower, mm-hmm. or not slower. It's the the engines. You you yeah. just you step out of the door or you jump out of the. You actually take a hop as you come out of the door. Yeah. yeah. One forty one because there's more blast coming out of the engines. Mm-hmm. You don't jump. You don't hop. You you right. step. Yes. I I forgot that, and I. I jumped and I caught the blast and it slammed me into the side of the thing, like on my arm and my face. Right. Oh God. So yeah, I always say I've been hit, I've been hit by an airplane in midair. More accurately, (laughs) I hit it, but you know, it's kind of like, yeah, it sounds better. Plane retaliated self-defense, you know? Yeah. Um, So, you know, you got to turn into the wind to land because you're actually going pretty fast as those cutouts in the back of the parachute will propel you in a specific direction. So you want to face into the wind as a way of breaking yourself Mm -hmm. and you have less lateral momentum when you land. Right. Um, Well, I couldn't rotate to the left because my arm, I couldn't feel my arm. I had to rotate around to the right. Well, okay. So the parachute opens. I'm look, I, I look up parachute looks okay. And then I realize I'm feeling breeze through my air, my hair. Uh-oh. Now you wear a helmet when you jump, right? You should. <laughs> and, and and I like, oh, I feel breeze through my hair. I look off to the side, and there was my helmet. This is at a, a, a Salerno drop zone, I think it was. Okay. Um, whatever the big one is at Fort Bragg, I forget the name right now. Mm-hmm. And there's my helmet going like this. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! I landed on my face once. Oh, jeez, you know, Louise! Like so, basically, I got dragged the... across a drop zone another time. So the reason there's so much chaos in every drop you've been on is because that you were the point of chaos. Everyone yeah, else, yeah, like, oh, I had a great jump. They're like, ah, shit, yeah. king snakes on this one. We're all gonna die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, there'd be just a couple of things that would go wrong, like for me, you know, any of the things that you described where I'd really have to think twice about ever jumping again, but you're just like, ah, comes with the territory, not that big a deal. I see what I did wrong. I won't do that again. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, yeah. You know, I, I, <laughs> at some point, I decided I, it's probably when we got sent to Grenada. Mm-hmm. You know, I, now I've always been rebellious, even yeah. when I was in the military. I had a, I had a stack of counseling statements. So I was yay high. And God bless. God bless. <laughs> I'm not proud of it, but you know, there's things I shouldn't have said to eh, people. You know. I should. Um, but um, so normally, especially at Fort Bragg at the time, anyways, they come in and, you know, early in the morning, you know, 3am, 2am, tell you to pack your shit. Okay. Uh-huh. We're gonna go out and screw around in the woods for two weeks or whatever. Yeah. But for yeah. some reason, when my sergeant came in and told me pack my shit this morning, I like it was the way he said it. I knew something real was going down. Ooh. Yeah. We go down to the motor pool. We pack our stuff up. We go up to the company. They're handing us bullets and flak jackets, real bullets, not blanks, you know, yeah, and so on. Yeah. And they, something's happening. We, we go down to the core headquarters at Fort Bragg. Now, my by this time I was in Alpha Company. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sergeant First Class David K. For Z, who I'm still in contact with to this day, was our platoon sergeant. Mm-hmm. And um, we get to there, 
to the core headquarters. And normally they would issue, I think it was the 52nd mechanized division. That was the fake CEOI, communication, something, operating instructions. It had your, your uh, call signs, your frequencies, and other highly classified info. And normally they give you this 52nd mechanized thing, which is for training. It was bullshit. Yeah. This time they gave us the real thing. I'm like, ooh, cool. Yeah. And I'm stoked. I, I, I don't know if I knew where we were going yet, but I knew it was going to be, there's going to be something exciting happening. Sure. All the and I'm like, this is, this is why I joined the military. Yeah. Some captain from Corps comes out and takes my slot on the airplane. Uh. And I lose my slot on the airplane. So my team is done there. Our, my team specifically, our four or 12 guys in our squad, served as the direct communications link mm -hmm. between the Corps. That was our mission in general, right. between the 18th Airborne Corps headquarters and the 82nd Airborne Division. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> while they're down there in Grenada, this is the same night the Rangers jumped in initially at Point Salinas Airfield. Mm -hmm. The, I'm so I'm you know for that week the next week I'm sitting on the radio at core headquarters talking to them, mm -hmm. and they got tanks. Well, it's probably they said tanks. It's probably BRMs or something shooting over their heads. I'm just like, oh fuck, I like yeah. there, you know. Yeah. So I didn't get to down there after all the shooting was done, and probably for the best because you know now in the light of maturity. But at the time, right, being right. 21, mm -hmm. I was like I was still stoked to you know. Well, it it's. It's more like you've been training for this and, you know, you, you have the capacity to do it. Like you want like your your greatness, your your capability revealed and you're missing that. Just a chance to prove yourself. Yeah. To find out really, really at your core who you are. Because yeah. you never really, you know, there's nothing that's going to teach you about really who you are deep down inside, like being in combat will. I Absolutely. never was, but that's what I was. Yeah. You know, like yeah. any any young kid yeah. wants to know. So absolutely. Yeah. Wow. And in fact, I, overall in my career, I mean, I suppose I got some good war stories or yeah. finger wiggles, but I, I was a very average soldier. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, after I got commissioned, you know, I told you about meeting uh, captain Thrasher. Mm -hmm. um, I was a very average officer too. I was, you know, <laughs> that's all right. The army needs you know, average officers too. <laughs> so, uh, so, but um, so yeah, that go was, ahead. Uh, yeah, you mentioned you know commissioning. So I mean, that was uh, like '86 that you you ran into that captain. And he yeah, Jim Thrasher. He, he just passed away uh, six mm -hmm. months ago. Wow. I'm still in contact from two of my buddies from ROTC who ended up marrying each other. Wow. Man and man and woman at the time. Old fashioned so, marriage. Yep. Yeah, and um. They, uh, uh, Mary is the gal. She wrote, emailed me or messaged me, said, Hey, Jim Thrasher passed away. Oh, and so I wrote to his widow and, and, and told her about the impact, positive impact Captain Thrasher had had on my life. Yeah. And if he hadn't recruited me into ROTC, I wouldn't have gotten commissioned. If I hadn't got commissioned, I wouldn't have been in Bosnia in 91. And if I hadn't, been in bosnia in 91 i wouldn't have met the lady who's my current wife wow, wow. so he he although you know things have a way of echoing out that you don't realize the impact they will eventually have on your yes. life yes and i wouldn't 
I wouldn't be with somebody who means as much to me as my wife does if he hadn't yeah. recruited me into ROTC. So no, just crazy, right? Like just yeah. the butterfly effect that that seeing exactly yeah. encounters can have. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, so commissioning program. I mean, what what happens? So, I mean, you hadn't really done any college work up until that point. So you do. Well, ROTC. I actually. I, I was uh, taking college classes at Pope Air Force Base, oh, okay, great. which is immediately adjacent to Fort Bragg I, in uh, law enforcement, criminal justice, okay. and got straight A's. I'm like, holy crap, I get straight A's? <laughs> awesome. I'd show up to class. I'd go up to Raleigh, get drunk, because I didn't like hanging out in the military town. I'd go up to Raleigh. It's a college town. Meet college girls. Sure. Normal girls, not yeah. townies. Yeah. And, and it's Fayetteville. Uh, they they called it Vietnam for a reason, mm-hmm. and um, I come back to class still drunk, mm-hmm. and and I got straight A's, but I I studied hard, so I'm like I can do good at this school. Yeah. And so when great. I finally started going to school at Northern Arizona in Flagstaff, I and I was using my own money. <laughs> I studied hard. Yeah. Oh, now yeah. at the time I'd already rejoined after I by the time I got out of the military, so I came back from Grenada right. Mm-hmm. I got kicked out of Grenada. Ah, damn for, it. Now, before you get deployed, you fill out all this survivor paperwork, right? Yes, and make yes. sure if you die, your survivors will get money. Yeah, you're. And I'd sure. done that too. Yeah. I get down there and I find out that my paperwork hadn't gotten filed, even Uh-oh. though I'd filled it up. Yeah. And like my son is not getting, who was a year old maybe at the time, right. was not getting money to, you know, eat. Uh-huh. So I told him that. Now I'm in the core headquarters, remember? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and um, at the same time, they were after me to get my hair cut. <laughs> now, now I have less hair back then, but my hair was no longer than it is now. And they were after yeah. me to get my hair cut. And I was not happy about them being more concerned about my hair. Yeah. Then. Then my yeah. and I let it be known. Good. Good. And so, well, except an NCO decided to file charges against me for disrespect to an NCO. And the irony of this is, is that as an NCO, I was never disrespectful to. Yeah. Others. Yeah. yeah like telling an E5 when I was an E2 to fuck himself, you know. Yeah. Gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> I'm not proud, but I did. So yeah. they sent me back and Captain Smith, our company commander, you know, they filed Article 15 against me, and I was going to fight it. And I sat down and talked to Captain Smith, and he told me not to do it. Just take the Article 15. Yeah. yeah. And as I explain on my blog, <laughs> I, uh, the uh, <clears throat> it was uh, when you're an officer, you have to support your NCOs because if Absolutely. you don't, and this is. Endeavor. If you're a manager, you should support your middle managers and so on down the line. Because if you don't, you undercut their authority with the yes. people who are below them. Yep. And so he gave me the Article 15. I was restricted to barracks for a couple of weeks. I lost a rank. I lost some money. I had, had wow. to pull extra duty, mm-hmm. you know, and so on. And I, they, I think they figured after that my attitude would be shot. And so they made, I got lifeguard duty the last six months. Ah, I was there. very nice. Yeah, and lifeguard is the best job in the world. I, 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 it was actually much more difficult than you would suspect. 
but I had to take a class and so on. And, um, <clears throat> but I had a great time. And um, the final, the final test in lifeguard class, it was, uh, we had to tread water for 90 minutes Oof. That's a without, That's a without using your hands. Oh boy. And playing volleyball at the same time. Damn. I don't know why, I don't know what that has to do with lifeguarding, but it was, it, was, it wasn't easy. Yeah. So, but it was, it was great duty. And then before I got out, I got my rank back. Good. So <clears throat> after I graduated from ROTC, I uh, got commissioned as a signal officer. Good. So I went back to Fort Gordon where I'd been <laughs> in basic training. Yeah. The, bar the barracks were, the wooden barracks were all gone. They've been raised in the 10 years since nine years. Makes sense. I'm walking across post one day somewhere in the main post and who do I see, but major Smith, major Smith now, okay. hey, you know, say hello to him. Was, yeah. You know, because I, I realized that at the, you know, at the time I may have been upset, but you know, with a couple of years of reflection, like, sure, sure. as, like I said, as an officer, you have to support your NCOs. He kind of played uh, that Solomon's thing where you got to divide the baby thing. Yeah. Yeah. He, he knew I had, he had to support his NCO, but at the same time, not to really hammer me too hard. You know, get, right, he got, right. he got the message across and, and I didn't resent it at all. I mm -hmm. like, you know, saw him, I said hello and all that stuff it was cool. Yeah. So that's great. Wow. <laughs> I did, I did have to save, I saved one kid, um, oh, really? once. Yeah. And it, there's all kinds of techniques. They teach you how to pull somebody out of the water. Mm -hmm. I was actually on break. I'm sitting on the beach. They have pools and beaches at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, this kid was like, there's two ladies up by the water. I was back about 50 feet. One of the ladies had like a kid, that obviously had just learned to walk or just learned to stand on his feet. Mm -hmm. So their backs were the kid. The kid fell over on his hands and knees. And it, and it was just enough that the water covered the tip of his nose like this. Mm -hmm which is all it takes to drown. Yep. I, and I saw the kid go like this. And I saw him go like this again. And he, I, I, he's not getting up. And I dashed over there. I grabbed the kid by the arm and I just jerked him out of the water like that. Like he's a yeah. trout or something. Right? <laughs> yeah. Just as his mother turns around and looks at me and, and she, and she realized that I wasn't like kidnapping him or assaulting him. Right. So, right. Wow. you know, it's the most direct way to get the kid out of the water rather than, you know, because I couldn't have dived in. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Good grief. Well, and uh, yeah, that's boy. That is Johnny on the spot. Attention to detail, and uh, yeah. you know, I don't know how attentive most lifeguards are, but good thing you were. Yeah, I was on break, so you know. Yeah. But yeah, so I ended up. Oh, one more story about basic training. Yeah, yeah. So, like I said, these are the old World War II barracks, right? Mm-hmm. And like I said, they're just throwing them up as quick as they can so they get troops out on the front. Yep. <clears throat> the plumbing in these old wooden barracks, when you're the 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 shitters, mm -hmm. it, you know, sometimes you go in a bathroom, it doesn't have a door, but they got the walls. Right, right. There were no doors and no walls. Oh boy. And and the rows yes. were so close together. That if there was somebody sitting in the one across from you, you were touching knees with the guy. Oh man! <laughs> uh. I'm 
I swear Gay to God. And scatological. No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and it's 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 kind of like being in prison or something. I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And, probably. Um, the, now, normally in your house, the two systems between your toilet and your water feed to your sinks and showers and stuff are separate. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> in these old wooden barracks, they were tied into the same system. So you're in the shower, you got the hot water on, you're getting yourself clean, and somebody flush, mm-hmm. you had a half second to get out of there or you were getting burned, oh, literally God. burned, because the cold water would go to the toilet and you were left with nothing but hot water. So yeah. you got really quick reactions and you like you'd feel the pressure start to drop and just boom, you're out yeah. and let it yeah. blast down. Holy cow. Yeah, which just... you're supposed to call out flush, you know, flush. Yeah, yeah. So that everybody morning Fire ahead time, in the hole. So, yeah, everyone's, you know, people would forget or they just wanted to fuck with you or whatever. And you'd... Yeah, <laughs> scald you. You know, oh, at, the, at the other guy. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that is incredible. So rough. Ugh. So uh, okay, but then how much time do we have left here? Uh, there's no real set time limit. Um, but we'll we'll move on to to officer stories. Um. You know, you go okay. to school. What year do you commission? Uh, May of 89. Okay. Okay. And then it's two years after that you're, yeah. you're in Bosnia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I got commissioned. I was actually uh, in school for another six months because I started college off cycle by a semester. Oh, okay. Um, now, when I got out of active duty initially in 84, I'm like – there's no way I'm ever joining the military again. Right. The only the only place I could find a job because the military doesn't give you practical skills. No, it does not. You know, there's no need. <laughs> yeah, there's no need for shooting people usually. Yeah. There's, well, let me rephrase it. There's a lot of need to shoot people in the civilian world. It just yeah. doesn't get done often enough. Right. right. So <laughs> need to change um, out people a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I I got a job as a guard at the Yuma County Jail right down on the Mexican border. Awesome. Perfect. Now, they, they didn't pay much, so I, all I could afford, the first couple months I was there, I was living in a trailer with no heat, no water, and a hole in the floor. Oh, boy. And, check, and checking into the Motel 6 every three days to take a shower. Well, I finally found a place. My landlords were two gay guys, one of them missing his legs, and they wouldn't let you had to go over to their home office to pay them probably because I was a young guy, yeah. you know, and there'd be like pictures of naked dudes diving in their, you know, a cat pool and stuff. And they'd try to, do you want to come over and swim with us? No, no, no. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather drown. (laughs) The, uh, so, you know, that was the place once I paid my rent, I had no money left. You know, I, I couldn't, I had to, I had to budget to buy a candy bar. Holy that's how that's how how little the jail paid that's so crazy. i like i ended up i ended up joining the uh, Na- uh national guard okay okay and that's how i got back into the military at the time okay initially Makes sense. so after i uh, got commissioned in rotc they sent me back to you know fort gordon mm-hmm. which is uh where i saw smith and so on sure um now, while I was in college, I got a degree as a radio operator mm-hmm. with the audio, emphasis in audio production, which yeah. is why I'm kind of, I'm at least not totally clueless with the process that's going on right here. Okay, today. awesome. <laughs> I don't, I don't have I a, 
I don't, I, it's been years and decades. I, I found that I was much more suited to working at a classical station. Yes. Um, because of my voice. I'm not a, hey, you know, crazy morning zoo guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I couldn't. <laughs> Sound effects. So I could, I, could, I could look at, you know, somebody like Ant mm-hmm. and go, I recognize, I didn't follow when he was Opie because I didn't like that op, that zoo crew type of thing. Right, right. But I see him now on his podcast, and I can recognize how good he really is. Oh, yeah. He's I'm not incredible. good enough to do that. Yeah. But I, I have enough background knowledge to know and recognize the talent that he has, which is yeah. incredible. Yeah. He's something so, yeah. Um, so, uh, let's see. I, while I was in college, I got, I'd taken a class in computers. Now, this is mm-hmm. very, very early. This is 85 or so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, when it was still two colors on your screen yep. and I, yep. and I'd done, and I'd done really well at the class though. Mm-hmm. So, and I'd realized at the time that the, the people pyramid in broadcasting is like this, yep. or excuse me, the people pyramid is like this. There's mm-hmm. only a few people at the top. There's a lot of people down here. Yep. The money pyramid is the opposite. Yeah. The yep. only person who's making money is the morning drive guy. Yep. The, the, the 5 p.m. anchor on the news and so on. Mm-hmm. So and and I realized I didn't have t- the talent for it, even though I'd gotten a degree in it. Mm-hmm. So after I got commissioned, I went to officer basic course. Mm-hmm. Officer basic course is like the AIT for officers. It's where right. they teach you your technical skill as an officer, what branch you're going to be in. Yep. Infant infantry, armor, aviation, signal. Yeah. Like you supply whatever it is you yeah. know so i went to i went to signal school because you know that's where my background was enlisted mm-hmm. and um uh oh my degree yes yes of course so i moved i moved up to green bay and at the time i moved to green bay uh right after that the uh gulf war kicked off you know yeah. where 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 the, the initial part where Iraq invaded Kuwait. Yeah. Now, I was, at the time, I was assigned to an artillery brigade here in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And I'd actually, you know, done some duty with them and stuff, but I was in Green Bay. So I, I basically had to ram, hand ram my paperwork through so that I could get into this unit. And I got into it with like an hour or two to spare wow. before, before the cutoff date for them getting deployed mm-hmm. so that I could go over there and, yeah. yeah. And that was in civil affairs. So, Civil affairs is like, you know, I a guess. A little bit different. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, more touchy feely. Right, right. Um, the uh, the main objective of of civil affairs is to coordinate between the U.S. military, foreign militaries, our government, their government, mm-hmm. NGOs, which are non governmental organizations, Red Cross, Doctors Without Borders, you know, stuff yeah. like that, and. and the, the reason for doing all this coordination is naturally enough, we want them all to do what we want them to do, mm-hmm. not what they want to do, you yes. know, yes. Su- support U.S. policy and war aims or peace aims, whatever the case might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's more of a more of a, uh, you know, like I said, it's more of a soft power thing. Right, right. So, right. you know, I got we got deployed to the Middle East. Um, and we didn't get there till we thought we were going to go in with the uh we were actually my team was specifically assigned to the third armored cavalry mm-hmm. 
And we thought we were going in with the initial counterattack invasion into, you know, northern Kuwait and Iraq and stuff. But we got pulled off that. Oh. Um, and we went into Kuwait City uh, probably, you know, a week or so after the heaviest shooting stopped. Mm-hmm. And the only the only two t- times, three times, I was scared during the Gulf War was when we were driving every time. Interesting. The, the first time, ta- um, crappy drivers. Ah, and the people <laughs> you were riding with were just the other traffic. And, 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 yeah, our our people specifically. The Saudis, the Saudis don't care. It's the oh, yeah. you know, the whole inshallah thing. If God yep. wills it, I'll die or I won't. Yep. You know, they cra- they crash a car. They're wealthy enough. They just leave the car. They go get another one and stuff. That's the um, um, the uh, so once we're we're driving down the highway through, we're probably not too far from Kafchi at the time, where they had the Marine battle after the initial attack. Yes. And um, the guy who's driving was looking out the window and the car, the vehicle in front of us, we had those old pickup truck type things that yeah. stopped. And I'm just like, you know, uh, I, I, th- yeah. I thought we were going to bite it. Uh, Another time, the driver I was with was, uh, we were on one of the ring roads in Kuwait City and she's driving along and, you know, kids would run out and, you know, wave at you and, and she wasn't paying attention. I thought she was going to plow through this crowd of kids. Um, and then the third time we were in Turkey after the whole thing was done, we were going to the Kurdish relief effort. Okay. And I think we were actually coming back from it. And it's a two lane highway along Southern Turkey. It's like just a half mile from the Syrian border. Mm-hmm. And we're on an uphill, two lanes. The bus in front pulls out to pass whoever's in front of him. Our bus driver decides to pull out and pass that truck. So we're going three wide and a vehicle's coming the other way. And I was like, dude, no, no. Yeah, I happened, I was like, no, I was the first seat. I was the first seat. I'm like, dude, no, don't yeah. pull out. Good so, God. Uh, yeah. When we, so the, uh, um, what happened? Anything interesting? Oh, interesting <laughs> Kuwait City story. Okay. Yeah. We, we had a uh, captain mm-hmm. who, when we were still at Fort Bragg getting, you know, doing our processing and training to get ready to send, be sent over there, mm-hmm. this guy weighed, he was at least 50 pounds overweight. Oh, it's, God. I mean, he, you look at me, I'm no, I weigh about 215 right now. Body mm-hmm. weight would be 185. Mm-hmm. This guy was at least 250. Jeez. Huge, huge. And, and he was a fraternizer. Ah, this, even better. This, the same Great. gal, the same gal who couldn't who almost I thought was going to run over those kids. He would take her to the, the O club at Fort Bragg with her sitting on his lap. Man, back in the days before camera phones where people could, uh, you know, record yeah. the improprieties and, you know, get some consequences. There's, there's pictures of me at Fort Bragg where I'm passed out. Cause <laughs> well, passed was... out people do lend themselves to more photographic opportunity. Yeah. 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 And, and, yeah, she's in the picture. So, um, the, uh, um, so we're, he's one of these guys who, who liked playing with EOD. Uh, uh, oh, 
You know, you know the type of guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I could, oh, there's a grenade there. I could fix that. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, sure you can. Starts playing with it with his, you know, your micro tool and like. Yeah. That type of guy. Yeah. So we're um, in Kuwait City. I got assigned to his team for the day and we're supposed to go clear a school. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not clearing like there's any bad guys still there, probably. Mm-hmm. You know, there were still a few snipers and stuff around. Um, or Palestinians, the Palestinians who served as the servants of the Kuwaitis when the Iraqis invaded, the Palestinians did what the Palestinians do, which is collaborate with the Iraqis. Yeah. Every country, every country in the Middle East hates the Palestinians. (laughs) All of them, not just, not just Israel. Nobody, nobody wants them because they yeah. continue, they continually shit their nest wherever they go, including in Kuwait city. Yeah. So, yeah. so we're going through the school, making sure, you know, the, that nothing was amiss. Mm-hmm. The Iraqis use the schools as for, as strong points, as little forts, uh, because all the schools have a wall around it, a, okay. a tall, tall stone wall, like a sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like a little castle. Mm-hmm. Now it's just me and him. We don't have a big team and he's a dipshit. So I, I tell him, you know, he outranks me. I tell him, you go left. I was a second lieutenant. You go left. I'll go right. Yeah. We'll go around the courtyard. We'll meet up on the other side. Yeah. Easy. So, so I check out my side and I notice there's a little outbuilding on my mm-hmm. side. I'm like I better check that out. I go downstairs into the bright sunlight. And as I'm opening up the door, door to this thing, I see a shadow moving inside and i'm like ready to blast the fucking oh, thing because yeah, yeah. i'm thinking there is a palestinian sniper here yeah it was that fat fucking captain oh god he's supposed to be way the fuck over here yeah, and yeah. he's over here yeah what the fuck what's he doing yeah so i seen the guy like you know five years later i think we were actually training for the mission to uh bosnia mm-hmm at Hohenfels or Grafenvir in Germany, I forget which one. And walking down the street is this this, this fat guy, except now he's a major. Oh, <laughs> like, how do you get promoted when you... Yeah. It's so, just whatever. I said hello to him. I was nice, you know. Uh, but... Yeah, you're always professional, a... but... This is a guy... We're, we're at Fort Bragg training to go over there, right? And the, and the I don't think the shitters had doors because it was in the wooden barracks at Fort Bragg. Mm-hmm. And, but they at least had walls. And you're in the, you know, the, the row of mirrors and sinks, brushing your teeth. So you got a mirror here. And you're looking at the fat captain taking a dump. <laughs> hey, he's trying to engage you in conversation. Yeah. And you don't want to look at a naked fat guy taking a freaking dump while you're trying to brush your teeth. In the or at any so. time. I mean, brushing your teeth is like over the top. Yeah. But like even, you know, well, yeah, anything. Yeah. I don't want to see that ever. No matter the circumstances. No. Oh God! Yeah. So, so in between, in between, I'd learned that I wanted to uh, do. You know, I was sitting over in the Middle East, in between doing different things, mm-hmm. and saying, you know, I was pretty good at that computer stuff. Maybe I should oh, yeah. do that for a living instead of radio. And I went. Oh. I went after I got back from the Middle East. I got a degree in uh, basically computer programming, mm-hmm. second bachelor's. Awesome. So. And uh, and that, did you jump right into that industry after you retired? Yeah. Or? Okay. Well, no, I, I, while I was doing it, because at the time I was in the reserve. 
so I did the two right, together. Right, right. Okay, that's that's. Right. And luckily enough, long story short, I was able to uh, retire when I was fifty as a civilian as well. So. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, you picked yeah. the right industry then. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's not so much I I that I did anything particularly well. Mm-hmm. I, I I try I try not to get. I wasn't Stephen Jobs or anything even remotely close to it, you know, or, or, uh, what's his name with South African dude. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, No way. I'm not Elon Musk. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, it's, uh, I got lucky. Yeah. So, and, and I, and I realized I got lucky and I'm not too, I'm not egotistical about it because that luck could run out at some point. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's great. I, I, I don't have I don't have fuck you money. <laughs> very few of so, us. Do. Yeah. I mean I was lucky enough. I'm very thankful for what I have mm-hmm. and grateful for the luck I had. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I can't just go out and buy private jets or you know stuff like that. Who can? So, Who yeah. can? Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so all right, so you get uh retire from uh military in uh mm-hmm. September 9th, 2001, or at least that's Correct. when you begin your terminal leave. Um, but uh, so then you're you're strictly a civilian at that point. You know, there's mm-hmm. no no drilling weekends or deployments on the horizon. I, 20 years of military experience. I mean, how does that uh, shape what you do now and dictate well, the success that you've had? The the like I said, the military doesn't really give you any useful or. <laughs> Yeah. Not useful skills, but practical technical skills. Sure, sure. Maybe if you're an MP, and I was an MP for a while, actually, but I, I did physical security rather than you know, street patrol or whatever the equivalent is. Right. Facility security. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, there's a few other things like a cook or something like that. But for the most part, they don't teach you practical skills. No, they don't. But what the military does teach you, and, and this is a huge advantage you have over other kids in college, like I was, I was with kids that were anywhere from four years or more younger than me, or even other adults, especially nowadays, mm-hmm. is they teach you how to be at the right place at the right time yep. with the right stuff, doing the right things. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's huge. With, with each passing year, that becomes a more and more rare skill in the civilian world. Yes, yes. Well, if yeah. you can... It, it, so you've, you've mentioned luck coming into it, but it's like, okay, just because an opportunity presents itself does not mean that you're at all in a position to take advantage of it. And, yeah. you know, preparation, you know, consistency and practice. Yeah. And, and just, and just, you know, if, if you're an employee that shows up at the right time, you know, 15 minutes late every day because there's traffic, well, leave 30 minutes earlier. Yes, whatever it is you got to do. If you're 15 minutes late every day, leave 30 minutes early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you'll be 15 minutes early, and if traffic is even heavier, you'll still be on time. And people exactly. don't do that. Yeah, that, yeah. They, 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 the they don't have the ability to plan and organize. and, and do. Those are the soft skills the military teaches you that are really useful, I think. Definitely. So. Definitely. And, uh, of course, as we usually wrap up with every podcast, if uh, someone had – some plans to join the military uh, in this day and age. Would you have any advice for them? Don't. Don't. <laughs> yeah, I kind of agree uh, with that. You know, uh, the uh, my son mm-hmm. uh, 
was actually in basic training at Fort Leonard Wood uh, when 9-11 happened. Wow. And um, he was interested at the time in going into law enforcement. Mm -hmm. And I told him, look, if you're going to go into law enforcement, join the Coast Guard. And the reason for that is, is that the Coast Guard is doing a law enforcement mission every day. Yes. They're busting drug runners. They're busting drunk boaters. Mm -hmm. They're basically doing the same things that street cops do, except on the water. Yep. Yep. For for a large part, search and rescue. Mm -hmm. You know, police departments have, you know, here in Arizona, the Highway Patrol has uh, search and rescue teams mm -hmm. and so on. So they, they're doing similar activities. And I said, but if you don't want to join the Coast Guard, join the Air Force. That's what I told you at the beginning, didn't I? <laughs> yes, yes. Great advice. Why is that? Because the Air Force is better food, better barracks, and better looking women. Yeah, that's a that's a fact. I will you know, I will attest to that. Like under oath. Yeah. Absolutely true. Um, but he joined the army like his old man. So ah, well, you can't save them all, I guess. But I think that probably still applies. I was just at a Air Guard base getting mm -hmm. a, a updated ID. Mm -hmm. I got a retiree ID. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, a couple days ago, and that still applies. The Great. the girl who was helping us very helpful uh, E two in the Air Force. I don't know what they call them. They got weird ranks. Yeah, I have but, no uh, idea. But she's doing. <laughs> very very attractive young lady. So that's still true. Better yes. barracks, better food, better looking women. That's a fact. But um, nowadays, because of the uh, I think, again, I'll say I was a very average soldier, a very average officer. So get that out of the way so somebody doesn't say, well, McMurray, you are shit. Okay, yeah. I know I was. You know? <laughs> yeah. But my observation is that the leadership environment is very poor. Yes. And focused not on war fighting. Yes. Yes. And and really, the, the only reason we have a military is to kill people and break stuff. Yes. And if you're not focused on killing people and breaking stuff, you're doing the wrong thing. Yep. And they're concerned with, you know, so many other things. And then, mm -hmm. regardless of the politic of the political beliefs of the individuals involved, your job ultimately is to follow the orders of the commander above you. And the ultimate commander is the commander in chief, the president of the United States. Yeah. And to see what happened to Trump, because, mm -hmm. you know, regardless of whether you agree with his politics or not, he is the commander in chief. Yep. To, to see high ranking four star level commanders in the army, in the Navy, not just not doing what he said. It's OK to disagree. You disagree behind closed doors. The commander right. takes takes in the input of his S1, his S2, his S3, whatever, all his experts and goes, okay, based on all this information, I'm doing this. Your job then becomes to do that. Yes. Not the other thing, not this thing, not something completely different. Mm -hmm. And to see four-star level commanders not only not doing what he told them to do, yes. but actively doing exactly the opposite and attempting to undermine him yeah. and not just undermine him within the organization itself, but to our enemies. Yes. That including, is insane. Including China. Miley, legitimately, regardless of the politics involved, should hang for that. It's a we we hung we hung really Benedict hard. Arnold for that. And yeah. Benedict Arnold, at least, was a good general. Yeah. He, yeah, fought, he was actually confident. Yeah. <laughs> he fought and won battles for the United States. 
before yeah. he before he became a all, yeah the, the the basically the congress the continental congress screwed him and when oh, they really? screwed him he said yeah financially rank wise i forget the exact details and he said screw this i'm going to the other side yeah 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 it's um, a lesson and you got to treat your people right but the yeah. oldest the oldest tradition in the us military or in the us in general the oldest tradition in the U.S. is fucking veterans. We have Isn't always, it it's always, yeah. always fucked veterans. Not just the VA today, not mm -hmm. just the uh, the bonus army in the 30s. Mm -hmm. I'm talking going back to the 1780s. Not even Benedict yeah. Arnold, but yeah. the other veterans. Yeah. You know, so um, we hung when we finally got a hold of Benedict Arnold, mm -hmm. despite his, you know, prior you know valiant service he's a traitor and we hung his ass yeah yet yeah. miley is walking around free and probably going to walk into a cushy multi-hundred thousand dollar consulting gig when he finally retires yeah and, and he's and he's not the only one no absolutely not i mean anyone who's about a colonel or above uh that's really privy to some sensitive information has got a great job in the defense industry and it's yeah. absolutely disgusting and you know, it perpetuates more pointless foreign intervention and, uh, you know, mm -hmm. we're the ones paying for it, not them. Yeah. And even if it's not a pointless foreign inter intervention, or it is, it's the fact that they disobeyed his orders. It's insane. Lied to him about disobeying the orders. Like when he said his prerogative as the commander in chief is to say, I want you to let Eddie Gallagher, mm -hmm. the SEAL that's supposed, yes. you know, supposedly committed a war crime. I want you to let him go. Mm -hmm. And they're fighting him about it. Yeah, he yeah. made his decision. Your job is to either either execute the decision you have been told to execute mm -hmm. or resign. Those are your yes. two options. Yes. Not to, not to do the exact opposite. Yeah. You have commanders wow. in Syria. Trump, I forget the exact details. He told them to you know, withdraw troops or do something mm -hmm. and they not only didn't do it they didn't they told him they did and then did the exact opposite i i mean the very basic essence of of your service the requirements of service and and what that entails they deliberately disobeyed yeah. it, it's it's insane absolutely it crazy yeah. how can you how can you expect any soldier uh, getting back to my situation with captain smith mm -hmm. you know he had to support I didn't mean this to come together, but it kind of ties it up. No, it's beautiful. He, he, he had to support his NCO, yep. right or wrong. And he did. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and now you have another situation. How can you expect your lower ranking people to follow your orders if you don't follow the orders of the people above you? Yeah, you're setting up an example. Yeah. Yeah. So it's that simple. I, I would not advise anybody to join the military now. It, 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 we, we need a purge top to bottom. And there's some people that need to be in Leavenworth. And at least in Miley's case, they need to be hanging. You don't go to you don't go to the enemy, which the Chinese are and have been for decades. You don't go to the enemy and say, don't worry about it. <clears throat> yeah. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to do what he tells me. That's, that's, that's so a crazy. Shot. Yeah. yeah. He, he should literally be hanging. Yeah, that's complete i, I don't care crazy. what party you are yeah could you picture if we had a conservative absolutely the enemy conservative generals 
Yeah. And, and a uh, let's say Obama would be a better example than the guy who's than Biden. And Obama ordered them to go somewhere and do something as commander in chief. Mm-hmm. And they said they turned around. Let's say they said to, you know, Lula Omar or somebody, yeah, don't worry about it. We're not actually going to bomb Tora Bora or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I, absolutely crazy to give, you know, aid and comfort to the enemy just for yeah. political whatever yeah. it, it is it's so crazy. And yeah, I, I agree. I think the military's insanely screwed up and there's been a, a stigma that the batch of recruits every subsequent year are dropping in quality. And that may be true, but I, what's, what is it that we're fighting for? What is it that people would be incentivized to join that organization? I mean, is that an organization you'd take pride in? And and to be asked that question, and my answer every year was less and less of a resounding yes to like, the last couple of years. Where I'm like, I can't wait to get the hell out. I don't know what's happening. I uh, see. I wasn't even. I wasn't even in for that. I was gone. You know, like I said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with excellent timing. Yeah. Uh, but you caught the the beginning. Of that, yeah, or the tail end. I mean, as a reservist, you know, you were until a year ago, so uh, you were just a couple months, yeah, yeah. So you were you were in the thick of it, the well, woke and military, and it, uh, like, I talk to people, and this is, you know, make of it what you will, but by the time I joined, don't ask, mm-hmm. don't tell was still in place. Now, whether or not it was exercised, I mean, it was certainly kind of phased out. Where, you know, if they did want to charge people under it it was more like it's not because the guy's gay it's because he's a dickhead and we have this technicality to to bounce him that was kind of the mentality and then i think that got repealed a couple years after i joined so like 2011 i think and that's that's fine okay yeah gay people serving in the military by the like the year before i left they instituted policies for uh observation during your analysis for transgender sailors the the sea change you know in a 10 year span the sea change i just yeah. i can't even comprehend it it's a totally you know and that's just like one particular instance it's the amount that the military has changed just in my time is is insane it's not it's not the same organization and i i certainly don't think that like you say the military gives you the skills to you know, <laughs> to outrun your civilian peers who've been working in whatever industry you want to get into. I mean, you're you're starting lower on the totem pole, uh, further behind the eight ball. I, mm-hmm. I don't I don't really much see the point in serving unless it's like I just want to have a steady paycheck, get out of my hometown, do something different, and then maybe I'll have you know I'll come out with it, knowing what yeah. I want to do and actually be motivated to do it. So you know, back in my day, it was either yeah, get out of your hometown. Or because you wanted to get money for college. Yeah. Yeah, the money for but, college, but, I mean, I got that too. But then it's like, oh, I got a voucher to attend a le- leftist indoctrination center. Like, it wasn't, yeah. you know, anything that was worthwhile the, either. That, so. that, that is, the, the, that is um, where the, the cost is literally increasing logarithmically. Yeah. When I attended college, you know, costs were increasing, but they were, they were still reasonable. Yeah. Now, it, you know, you're paying you know, thirty or forty thousand dollars to go to crappy state university. That's just yeah. the crappy one. You're not even talking Harvard or Stanford or, yeah. you know, and and that's uh, and that and then you throw in not only the cost but the yeah. indoctrination. Yeah. And unless unless you're somebody who's liberal, yeah, you're still paying too much. Oh, it's yeah. It's, so uh, why ridiculous. why pay more for a degree that really 
ultimately, no matter what degree you have, you learn on the job. It, exactly. Yeah. Experience so, can't really replace that. I mean, yeah. you, you look at somebody like Anthony. I had a degree in broadcasting. Mm -hmm. Anthony didn't. He didn't even have a high school diploma. <laughs> yeah. So Ant shows up and he, he tears it up, you yeah. know? He's he's something else, man. Like, um, and this was I think this got pointed out on Twitter, but uh, we we managed to uh, converge at uh, Adam Carolla's live podcast last week, um, mm -hmm. and when there's a live show going on, I I'm focused on that, and people can I'm sitting with can have little asides, you know, if it doesn't interrupt or I don't miss what's said on that's no. that's fine, and. Uh, and Anthony's case, he has an absolute exception. Whatever the hell he's going to say is going to be funnier than whatever's happening up there. I yeah. mean, the guy is just, he's always on. It's crazy. But, uh, you know, years of practice, he's been at it, you know, damn near 30 years. And... But even initially, the talent was there. He didn't oh, need yeah. to go to, he didn't need to go to school. He could hit the ground running. Yeah. And, yeah. and why burden yourself now with a huge debt? Yeah. To do to do what you could have done anyways without the debt, yeah. regardless of whether you're liberal or conservative. Yeah. Or yeah. anywhere. Yeah. Might it doesn't well make sense. Get a get a job in the industry. And and I, I see that yeah. a lot of times where people kind of get talked out of something like if you if you really, really want to be a lawyer. But, oh, well, I mean, there's just not that many jobs out there. And it's like, OK, for like the average lawyer, if you're really super driven and this is absolutely what you want to do, I mean, Eventually, you're going to write your own ticket anywhere to what you really you're going to beat out everyone else if you're really hungry mm -hmm. for it and you really want to do it. You know, cream that's rises true to the top. True in any industry. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's that, that uh, Teddy Roosevelt had a saying something about it was a long one. And the end of it is the credit belongs to the guy in the arena who bled and sweat and so on. And, and, and the gist of it is if you, if you don't try, the person who puts the effort in will succeed. Yes. The person who doesn't won't. Yeah. And you so, can't be afraid to fail either. That's, yeah. that's another thing. It's very, very helpful. Um, people yeah. have this aversion to uh, to failure, to humiliation or whatever else. And it's like, I don't know. Those have been my best teachers. <laughs> <I mean>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shame works. Let's bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, I think uh, we'll, we'll probably wrap it up there. Um, but you okay. mentioned your blog earlier. Uh, what Do you want to promote oh, that? And do you have anything my, else? Yeah, I got to do my plugs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I Even though I don't make any money, I, right. I, you know, um, my blog is at PrestonM.com. Papa, Romeo, Echo, Sierra, Tango, Oscar, November, Mike.com. PrestonM.com. I still remember, still remember my uh, phonetic alphabet. I love it. Um, and and be then down I, in the description too, there'd be a link. Oh, thank you. And then on Twitter at, at Preston McMurray, I actually use my real name on Twitter. So I keep okay. my more controversial uh, political opinions to myself. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's what this platform's for. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, yeah. To, I haven't said anything really too bad on here, no, but I have, no. you know, especially about the state of the military. Now there are things I would not say, on Twitter, just because I, uh, uh, you know, there's the, uh, I like to be cautious. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and cautions, so, you know, it's warranted, yeah. especially on a platform like that. I mean, yeah. you know, on here, uh, I say let her rip. Um, 
But yeah, <laughs> Twitter, you get yeah. booted off and then you can't say anything. So then what? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm just, I just use Twitter to entertain, hopefully other people. Absolutely. I think so. you've succeeded. Oh, thanks. <laughs> awesome. Well, well, thanks so much for coming on. Like I say, I'll put uh, the links for your Twitter and your blog okay. in the in the description. And oh, uh, thank you. I appreciate it, and um, definitely uh, have to have you on again soon. Okay, cool. Thank you very much.